hello hello again my lovelies thank you for coming over to this second event melissa please take yourself off mute let's hope and pray it worked are you there yes i'm here chat. i hope it works i know chat can you hear melissa b please say you can oh they can hear me they can thank god <gasps> it just needed a little reboot guys just needed a little reboot <laughs> Yay! Okay. God. Tommy, who are you talking to? Tommy said, hey, sweet girl. So welcome, welcome. Um, tonight I, I am here with Melissa B. And we are talking the Drew Peterson case. And uh, like I was saying before, now that you can hear Melissa, we've been really excited though to cover this. Um Melissa is friends with some members of the family. And with that being said, following this live later this week, we're going to have one of Drew Peterson's sons live on JS for Justice. And he's willing to pretty much talk about anything, right, Melissa? Um, I mean, when I get, I mean, yeah, I think he would. I mean, pretty much anything. He's not. Yes, you know, he's pretty up, open. Yeah, like he hasn't put a bunch he's, of stipulations. He's pretty open like his dad on some things. Mm-hmm. I mean, Drew Peterson is a very outspoken man. If you're not familiar with Drew Peterson, um, put a one in chat so we know how many people here are familiar and how many are not. But yeah, it's pretty exciting that... We'll get to talk to his son and ask him some questions. I mean, and well, hopefully mm -hmm. we can. Well, I'm pretty sure it will happen, though. We can have Drew himself call in. Yes, that is that is in the works. Melissa B has that in the works. Everyone give some props to Melissa B. She is she is working on getting Drew Peterson on the horn. Okay, so wait a minute. Ones means you you don't know who he is? No, I think one you said they do. Oh, put a one in chat if you if you're familiar with Drew Peterson. Okay. I confused myself. Yes, Michelle Hill, can you believe that? Himself. He would love to call in and chit chat with us, I think. Yes, he actually, I mean, under the circumstances, it's sad, but he does like to play the victim and like to be, you know, he hasn't he been in the, the spotlight. He, he hasn't, the yeah, he likes the attention. Attention. He hasn't been in the spotlight for a really long time. So, yeah. Oh well, thank you, Tommy. Yeah, he and he he really loved the attention um, going through all this. But let's start at the beginning. Let's go back to. Where did Drew Peterson grow up? You know, what's he about? And I'll let you start that because I got to pull up my stuff here again because I had to reboot. Okay. Sorry to put you on the spot, but, you know, kind of how it goes when you're live, isn't it, Melissa B? Right. No editing. <laughs> uh -uh, okay, no so editing. Drew Peterson was born on January 5th, 1954. He's a retired Bolingbroke 
Illinois police sergeant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know you're you went, you're at the wrong spot. So all right. So I'll I I got my Oh, back. his personal life. I got it. okay. <laughs> Start there. Drew Peterson graduated in nineteen seventy two from Willowbrook High School in Villa Park, Illinois, where he ran cross country. He joined the US Army after graduated and attended the College of DePage in 1974 before moving to Falls Church, Virginia to train as a military police officer. He began his 30-year career with the local police force in Bolingbroke, Illinois in 1977. In 1978, he was assigned to the Metropolitan Area Narcotics Squad, and in 1979, he received a Police Officer of the Year Award from the department. He retired in November 20. 2007 at the age of 53 with a rank of sergeant and was given a tax-free 79,000 a year pension. His pension was terminated following his second conviction in May of 2016. Yeah. So he was, he was like, he moved up in the ranks and I was watching a documentary about him and I saw where he was the um, undercover agent and it seemed like he really liked doing that. Like this different persona that he would put on for these different drug deals and, and things like that. And I think that he got pretty full of himself because he was good at what he did. He was a good cop and, you know, in, in the terms of, you know, excelling and moving up the ranks, um, you know, he was, he was cocky. I mean, that's, that's the word I would use. Very cocky. It's cocky, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm about to I'm about to put a picture up on the screen, um, and this will give you an idea of Drew's um, sense of humor and his attitude. So there's a picture of him, and his T-shirt says, "It's not my job to blow sunshine up your ass." That's just his personality, and that's what we've seen. As we that's what we saw as we followed this case, but I was looking for the photo I have of him back in the day when he was um, a rookie. Was that the one with the long hair and the glasses? <laughs> yeah, but here's an older photo. This is around the time. This is the same time frame. It's just not the same photo I was looking for, but. This is what what Drew looked like back in the day. Because as we start to get into his love life, I want I want people to see what he looked like back in the day when he was a big honcho uh, cop and a womanizer. Yeah, you said it, not me. Okay, go ahead. So I'm going to go down to marriages. First his, marriage. His- Carol Brown, Peterson and Carolyn met in high school in Villa Park. They attended senior prom. They married in 1974 and divorced in 1980 after Carol learned about Peterson's infidelity. They had sons together, Stephen Paul Peterson and Eric Peterson. So they were high school sweethearts, right? Yeah, and I believe she found out because he was always undercover all the time that he would cheat with like coworkers and when he was undercover. Mm. And 
doing some shady shiz. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, so, yeah, so that's the first wife, and he had the two boys. Yeah, two boys with her. Yes, Stephen and Eric. Okay, so then they divorced in 1980, and then he married Victoria, also known as Vicky Connolly, in 82. So for two years, he played the field or whatever. Um, they bought a bar together. And they operated this bar in Romeoville. Are you familiar with Romeoville? I know this is kind of in your neck of the woods, right? Yes. Okay. Is that a little town? No, it's not too little. It's, I mean, it's does, a pretty big burb. Does the bar still stand? Do you know? That I don't know. I think it was called <laughs> Suds. I think, it, yeah, Suds. I wonder if it's still there today. Let's see. Suds Pub. Um, he was listed as the owner. If it's there, he you have to go. He was the owner of Suds Pub with 10 employees until 1995. Does it still operate, though? It looks like it does. Is that Glenwood, Illinois? No, I think it's in... Oh, I said Romeoville. It's in Romeoville. Okay, well, regardless, I don't know if Toluca is in the same area as Romeoville. I never heard of Toluca. I found a Suds Bar and Grill in Toluca, Illinois. Area code 815. So I don't know if that's the same place. But regardless, they ran this bar called Suds. And I saw pictures of Suds. And it's just a little little bar. Um, little couple, on the wall. Yeah, like with a couple pool tables and like dartboards, stuff like that. Um, so during her 10-year marriage to Peterson, I'm sorry, it is pouring down rain here. Like, can you hear it in the background or no? It's mm -mm. so oh, loud. Oh, my gosh. Hope I don't lose internet or power. So anyways, they were married for 10 years. And they had a history of domestic violence. Her daughter, who lived in the house until she was 17, um, alleged to this domestic violence during the marriage. Um, Connolly, which is Vicky, told police that during their marriage that Peterson threatened to kill her and make it look like an accident. She divorced Peterson after he started dating Kathleen Savio. Their divorce was finalized on February 18th of 92, and Peterson married Savio only two months later. So the first time, he waited two years. This time, he waits two months. Then he marries Kathleen Savio. And hold on. I just actually read that Kathleen Savio was also listed as a co-owner of Suds. Yes. So they, okay, so Vicky and Drew bought Suds together. And then right. when they divorced, he kept the bar. So then Kathleen ran it with him then. So it kind okay, of Okay, got... the current bar and restaurant under new management, it's called Elmer's now. Oh, it's not called... And Sons. enjoys a much better reputation than the earlier pub. <laughs> Is that what it says? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, I, people probably come in there and ask about it, you know? Oh, I'm sure. Um... 
So he marries Kathleen Savio two months after the divorce with Vicky. And like I said, the bar went with, um, went with Drew. But there was a lot of money and um, custody and things involved. So he married her in 92, and they had two sons, born in 93 and 94. So one right after the other, Thomas and Christopher. Their divorce was finalized um, October 10th of 2003, and it was reported that between 02 and 04 that police were called out to the Peterson house 18 times for domestic disturbance calls. That's also including calls for returning the children late after visitation. So they divorced. It was finalized October 10th, 2003. On March 1st of 2004, Kathleen's body was found in a waterless bathtub. Her death was initially ruled an accidental drowning by a coroner's jury that included a police officer who personally knew Peterson and assured the jurors that he was a good man who would never hurt his wife. Now, after that, he marries Stacy Peterson. Now, he's 49 years old, and he meets this 19-year-old hotel receptionist. Stacy Kales. Now, mind you, she was born in 84. Um, she had a rough, from what I've found, she had a rough um, upbringing. Um, I believe she was either, it was a broken home. Um, there was something that went on. I think she was abused or something there was something where she was off on her own at age 17 i know that she was working at the hotel and she was supporting herself so she was struggling you know um she met drew this guy that had a good job he was a cop and she quickly married him so she changed her name to peterson in 03 when they got married um, she legally adopted Savio's children and treated them like her own. So then they went on to have two children. Stacy and Drew had two more, Anthony and Lacey. Right? So then, so Stacy was taking care of her two, and then the two that were Kathleen's, right? Mm-hmm. So we have this young girl who walks into this, like, pre-made, pre-made family, um, so she was going to nursing school. And from what we hear, Drew was pretty controlling of her. Um, he had, like, a tracker on her phone. He knew where she was at all times, things like that. What Do you, do you know anything more about that part of it? No, just that he was controlling. He always wanted to know where she was, and he did have the tracker on her. And she couldn't really I mean, talk to anybody without him knowing and things and like I that. And I think he actually got mad when she was mowing the grass because of what she was wearing. Mm. Mm. Okay, so back to Kathleen Savio. So he is married to Stacy. Um, she starts to talk to her friends that we know about leaving Drew. 
you know, she's she's feeling controlled. She's she's mm-hmm. abused. She's wanting out. So she's starting to talk about leaving him. Um, that is when she goes missing. She goes missing on uh, on Sunday, October 28th of 2007. So her youngest was only two years old when she went missing. She was officially reported missing by her sister, not by Drew, but by her sister um, the next morning when she didn't hear from her when she was supposed to call her. Um, Peterson said that Stacy called him at nine on Sunday to tell him that she had left him for another man and that she left her to O2 Pontiac Grand Am at the um, Bolingbrook's Clow International Airport. So, uh, yeah. So he claims she just took off. She took her bikini, I think was the exact words. Yes. She took her mm-hmm. bikini and she took off with another man. Um, right now, Stacy is still considered a missing person. Um, but let's go back. So after Stacy's disappearance... They became suspicious of Kathleen's death. And they exhumed her body in 07. And Michael Baden, I know we're all familiar with Dr. Baden. Baden, Baden. 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 Yeah. (laughs) I'm so good at pronouncing names. Um, I thought it was Baden. Baden. I think it's Baden. Anyways, right, Michael Baden. He, he's very, very popular. He's been on all the forensic shows. He actually did the forensic examination on her body. And he concluded that she died of drowning following a struggle when her body was placed in the bathtub. And he said that po- post-mortem photos showed extensive bruising and scraping to her back, torso, and face, as well as, as a large unexplained gash in her scalp. What I don't get is, okay, he's a known, why would he say that she died from drowning when the tub was dry? Why would who say that? Michael Bannon. Well, I think that Dr. Baden, <laughs> I'm, I'm going with Baden. Baden. I think Dr. Baden, um, you know, st- did the autopsy. He did forensics. So if you die from drowning, they can tell if there's um, fluid in the lungs. They can tell if you if they can tell if you were dead before if you were put had in water, water in her lungs. Correct. So she must have had water in her lungs. Now, why they didn't? I don't think they did an autopsy the first time. Maybe I don't know. It, oh no, they did. They, it was ruled an accidental drowning by a mm-hmm. coroner's jury. Huh. So they didn't do an autopsy. No, yeah. The results of the official autopsy ordered by the county have not been released to the public. But Dr. Bodden says that she drowned. Now, she had a big gash in the back of her head. So, accidental drowning with a big gash in the back of the head in a dry bathtub doesn't really... And, And extensive bruising and scraping to her back, torso, and face. So definitely a struggle. Yes. So, um, yeah. Wow. I just came across some crime scene photos. Wow. Did you ever see these? I can't show them. Yes, I have. 
I didn't see those. Wow, she was a really pretty girl. He found pretty girls, didn't he? He sure did. Wow. Um, yeah, if you guys want to look these up on your own, they are there. But um, here is a photo of Kathleen. You know, just crazy, these men. Um, beautiful girl. That's her up at the top, too, but this is a different picture. I think which is a better picture. Um... All right, so they exhume her body. They determine that she was murdered. And they're saying it was a hom they said it was a homicide stage to look like an accident is what the state's attorney ultimately um, came to that conclusion. So and wasn't um, there also like a restraining order, I think, written out or some kind of letter stating that Kathleen said she feared that he would take the children away from him or that yes. she, he so, would kill her. Yeah, so Kathleen, this this woman had tried to get help. She they, The system totally failed her. She had tried to get help, but with, with him being a cop, no one would help her. She had reported his abuse, I think, two or three times. And mm -hmm. then she finally wrote a final letter. And in that letter, she stated, I'm going to end up, or he's, he's going to take my children or kill me. And I, it wasn't long after that she was dead. But a, but a key person in her life was her reverend at her church. And she, it was a pastor Neil, Reverend Neil. Oh, that was at Stacy's church. I'm I'm back yeah. to Stacy. But um Stacy had become close with this reverend because she couldn't really talk to anybody. She was scared, you know, he was so controlling. So she went and talked to this pastor and she told him that Drew killed Kathleen and had made it look like an accident and that she was afraid of him. And Stacy was the one that provided his alibi for his whereabouts on the evening that Sabio died. So when he, when she was asked, "Hey, where was Drew?" she said he was at home, which he was, but he got up in the middle of the night. So anyway, she talks to this pastor, and he eventually comes forward after she goes missing, and um, talks about what he was told by her. So now we get into the whole legalities of it. And this guy has, it's just been one thing after another. So the leads, you want to talk about the, the leads that the, the FBI and Illinois State Police followed? Yeah, I'm just going to read it. Yeah, go ahead. Several leads were filed in the investigation by Illinois State Police with FBI involvement. Four search warrants were issued and carried out on Peterson's property following Stacy's disappearance, including the seizures of his firearms and both his and Stacy's vehicles. Peterson announced his plans to retire as a Bolingbroke police sergeant effective December 07. On November 15th, the Bolingbroke Police Pension Board voted to allow Peterson to collect his pension of 6000 was it just six thousand? Six, yeah. Is that, yeah. 
per month, stating current law gave them no option as he had been convicted of a crime. Rick Mims, Peterson's longtime friend, admitted that he and Peterson bought three blue plastic containers from a cable company where they both worked part-time in 2003 and provided photos of these containers to the police. Mims also sold his story to to tabloid newspapers for an undisclosed sum of money. Peterson's stepbrother, Thomas Morphy, is it Morphy? Yeah, Morphy, who has a history of drug and alcohol addiction, attempted suicide two days after allegedly helping Peterson carry a plastic container from Peterson's Bolingbrook home to his SUV, fearing he may have helped dispose of Stacy's body. Neighbors reported seeing Peterson and another man hauling a 55-gallon barrel, large enough to hold a person, out of the house shortly after the disappearance. Cassandra Kales, Stacy's sister, said she wanted Peterson to take a lie detector test about his knowledge of a blue container that she saw in his garage two days before Stacy disappeared. Joel Brodsky, Peterson's attorney, denied that any container was missing from Peterson's home. There were also reports of truckers referring to the containers, but their stories were treated as not credible after it was discovered they had not been in the rolling book area at the times they claimed. Huh. So there was no blue barrel that was ever, blue barrels that were ever found, even though they bought three of them, all three of them were never found. And her sister says that there was one in the garage and it was gone after Stacy disappeared. Mm Mm-hmm. And I remember people from, like, truck drivers would call in and say they see a barrel on the side of the road or by the woods. And I also think that Stacy's sister, Cassandra, she was trying to get help because she has sonar image she does she does yeah i i wanted to talk about that um after like to update everybody because i didn't realize that all of this had gone on like with her sister that her sister has kept you know so much going but yeah her sister's been searching nonstop. but let's go back to 2008 so joel brodsky who is who was peterson's attorney they called into the radio personality show in Chicago, Steve Dahl. And apparently Steve Dahl had been, you know, go ranting and raving about Peterson since the case began. And Brodsky jokingly suggested, or no, Brodsky's the, the lawyer. Brodsky, Brodsky suggested that Dahl, the radio host, host an on-air dating game with Peterson the following day. But WJMK managers and Dahl decided not to go through with it. Now, I saw a clip, and I, I want to show you guys this clip. Because he was... Okay, his wife is missing. Now, mind you, at this time, his wife is missing. He's on Fox News with Shepard Smith. And they're outside of his house... And they fully, you know, want to talk about his missing wife. You know, what can we do? What, what do you think's going on? Well, all Drew wants to talk about is this dating game that he thinks is going to happen. 
And then when he refuses, Shepard Smith says, well, you know, I'm not just talking about that. Then Drew storms off. He gets pissed. He's here. There you go. So here, I'm going to show you guys <laughs> this clip. It cracks me up, but it's it just kind of shows his attitude, his arrogance. It gives you an idea of the media games that he played. And this is only one of very many media appearances. This guy was on. I don't know how many shows at that time. But here is Drew and Shep Smith. There you go. You seem so upbeat. Uh, how do you manage to stay so upbeat, uh, given the fact that your wife's been missing for three months? Oh, it's just, you know, you do what you can. You know, I'm not going to go hide in the corner and cry about it. You know, it's just like I personally uh, grieve over it uh, uh, but I do that all on my own so uh, how, how has this affected your children mm -hmm. oh it's uh, they're pretty upset but I guess that's not what we were going to talk about today we're going to talk no, no, about I meant the dating part shows. of it all <laughs> how has this idea of daddy well, dating affected them I, I it's my understanding from you that, that they believe their mom is on a ski vacation is that right no the, the younger ones uh, believe she's on a vacation but the older two boys they uh they know she's missing she ran off i wonder as the investigation is going forward how difficult has it been for your family oh, pretty hard the kids are you know the little ones are missing their mom that type of thing we went through her birthday and the holidays and that was kind of rough for everybody and and so. the, the fact that you're a suspect in her disappearance how, how difficult has that been and how have you handled that with your family Oh, every day it's a new day. You know, you wake up, it's, it's I can only antiquate it to like uh, uh, having cancer, being told you got cancer. You go to bed and with it on your mind, you wake up with your mind and you're just looking for that miracle cure to make it all go away. The, the neighbors said that they saw you carrying out a, a big blue barrel that would be big again, enough. Again, again, Shepard, that's not what we agreed to talk about. You know, oh, I, I didn't, I didn't agree to any, any restrictions the, uh, on conversation. I would never do that. I, I just I just wonder what... Okay, well, then, then I guess i got to walk away. Have a good day, Mr. Shepard. It was nice talking to you. Well, he'll talk about the dating game, mm -hmm. but he won't talk <laughs> about the fact that the neighbors... That the neighbors say they saw him with a large 55-gallon blue barrel uh, carrying it out with someone else uh, and shortly after his wife went missing. Have a good day, guys. Yeah. His fourth wife went missing. His third wife died in a dry bathtub and now authorities have exhumed her body and it is now widely believed that her, his third wife may also have been murdered. Drew Peterson, a suspect in the disappearance of his fourth wife who was in, in fun, as he put it, considering a dating game, though he's still married to the mother of his children. Drew Peterson, the former Bolingbrook police sergeant, now suspected in the disappearance of his wife and going back to the friendly confines of his home as neighbors and friends of Stacy Peterson wonder where in the world she is. We'll continue. All right, so yeah, he's 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 a media clown, and he obviously wasn't taking the disappearance of his wife very serious. 
his answers just floor me. Floor me. Like you need to play the clip when he called in from jail to a radio show called Man Cow. Yeah, I will. I will. Then we're gonna get up to that. We gotta go in sequence. So back to back to the media. So he Oh, was that when he called in? That was after he was that was in he that was in 2009 he called in on the oh, man cow show. Oh, that was before he went to jail. Or no. No, he was in jail because they were asking him questions. How's the food in jail? And oh, okay. He, okay. he was sitting there laughing about. I think that's when he first went into jail. He wasn't in prison yet. Okay. So he got engaged that same year too. Yes. In 2008. Yeah. So talk about that. And then I'll pull up the man cow thing. He got engaged in December 2008 to Christina Rains. Um, How old was she? She was 23. She would have been his fifth wife. On January 30, 30th, 2009, it was made public that Reigns had moved out of Peterson's house. Her father, Ernie Reigns, had issued an ultimatum to his daughter out of concern about the way Peterson tried to control her and what he fe- feared Peterson could do. She later moved out of Peterson's home when she came to her senses, calling the engagement a publicity stunt designed to keep Peterson in the media spotlight. Huh. And she did some interviews too. Yes. 23 years old. Like them young. <laughs> yes, he did. All right. So he called into the Man Cow Show from jail. Yes. This is in May of 2009. Should I play the whole call? Yeah, because I think that's May 2009. That's when he was indicted for Savio's murder. So that's when he first went in. Okay, yeah. So, yep. So he was indicted first on May 7th. He was indicted. He um, called into the Man Cow Show on the 27th. So he was indicted over her murder after they exhumed her body and did the forensic testing. And the bail was set at $20 million. And then in October of that year, he sued J.P. Morgan Chase for revoking a home equity credit line that he wanted to use to pay legal expenses. They were claiming his income of nearly $109,000 per year was not sufficient. Then in July of 2010, Judge White ruled that Peterson would remain in the Will County Jail for the remainder of his trial and his appeals process. Prosecutors argued he could pose a danger if he was released. And then um, also in July of 2010, it was revealed that hearsay statements indicating Peterson killed two of his wives were not reliable enough for a jury to hear at his trial. After presiding over a lengthy hearing, Judge White issued a four-page sealed ruling in May obtained by the Daily Herald newspaper. White ruled that the prosecutors proved Peterson killed both Savio and Stacy by a preponderance of of the evidence, but nearly all statements attributed to Stacy do not provide sufficient safeguards of reliability. The standard of proof in homicide cases is beyond a reasonable doubt. 
preponderance of the evidence is the standard for fact-finding on questions of admissibility of evidence, even in a criminal case. Stacy's statements were crucial to the prosecution's case as it lacked significant, significant direct evidence. Now, before we talk about the appeal at court, let's play this call. This is right after he was indicted for Kathleen's death. Ow. Okay, hey guys, All right. we're gonna, Drew? Yeah, what's up? Oh. Oh, Drew Peterson on the line now, live. You're in jail. You called us here. Uh, Did you call Collect, Drew? I called Collect live from the Will County Adult Detention Facility in Joliet, Illinois. And how are things there? Things are fair to matter. You know, it's like different. How's uh, how's your love life? My love life? <laughs> well, I've got a lot of buddies here that are real anxious to, you know, wash my back in the shower. But, you know, what's that all about? You know, hey, I got it. You know, leave me alone. <laughs> Are you enjoying the showers? No, not at all. <laughs> They're cold. How's your bling? You, you, you get to wear bling oh, every no. once in a while. Oh no! I get my I get my bling coming and going out of the courthouse. So, what do they let you wear in prison, Drew, or in uh, jail? Kind of like a uh, a jumpsuit, I guess. Uh huh. It's like a uh, shirt and top and long sleeve shirt. It's really cold in here. Do you have anybody to cuddle with? Do they do they have you with anybody else in the, in the cell? No, my cuddling uh, abilities have been taken away. <laughs> How are the guards treating you? I'm actually getting treated pretty, pretty decent here. You know, it's just like uh, everybody's very professional with me. So you sign you sign any yeah. autographs? Anybody ask you an auto, for an autograph or anything? No, that hasn't happened. They pretty much got me isolated here. And uh, um, and how is isolation? Isolation is lonely. You know, I get television and a book now and then, but that's about it. What about your? You're working on a, a stand-up act. A stand-up act, yeah, sure. <laughs> Joel, Joel tells us you've been writing some jokes, and we're still waiting. Joel, Joel said they've been writing jokes. Your, your lawyer, Joel Brodsky, said you were going to call, collect, and you would have some comedy for us. What do you want to hear? The lighter side of, yeah. of jail. Let's get, test it out on us here. Here, here he is, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, live everybody. from the Will County Jail. It's Drew Peterson. Give it up. Hey. Oh, nobody's clapping. Hey, man, cow. Yes. I know we can't do the uh, date with Drew anymore. Yeah. But I, I'm thinking what we should do is, like, win a conjugal visit with Drew. Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my. How, how's the food, Drew? Well, the food's different. I didn't understand why they, why they had seatbelts on the toilet until after I had a couple meals here. So. <laughs> <laughs> this is just wrong in every so, way. So. So the guards, are the guards mean or friendly or what? Well, professional. You know, yeah. I can't ask for anything different than that. You know, I get treated better or worse than anybody else in here. So, Drew, what are, what are some, of your, some of your other observations? Uh, everything's clean in here. It's a brand-new facility, so it's just like, uh, that's good. Uh, <laughs> I think that's about it. So, that's your yeah, comedy? That's, I thought you, know, you were going to get any jokes? What are, Give us a joke or two. What do you want to hear? Well, you supposedly are working on You've some got jokes. all this time. I want to hear another one of the, the funny observations. <laughs> come, the observations. Come on, Seinfeld. Seinfeld, I don't know. What about, uh, do you get to watch TV? Yeah, I get TV. Yeah? It's just like, but i got to watch what they're watching. You know, if I get the lady guards, we have to watch soaps. If uh, the guy guards around, we watch sports. You know? so, <laughs> oh, my God. You know. And any idea when you'll be out, Drew? Well, Joel's working on the bond reduction. They, uh... Uh, hold my bond at $20 million, you know, $20 million for bond, you know, legal fees, tens of thousands, 
they accused of a homicide that didn't happen. Priceless. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just creepy. It's just weird, man. This guy's sitting in jail calling our stupid. Drew Peterson. This is Drew Peterson live from the Will County Jail. If you're just call tuning and in, collect. call and collect. He's working on a stand-up act. This is this is real. All right, what's your? Give us your A material. What's, what's I think the best? I think he's. Done. Have you given us your A material here? Is, is that about it, Drew? Or is yeah, there I something else? I think you got it so far. I think you got most of it. Okay. Are you still going to be developing this act? Yeah, I'm working on it. I'm working at it. All right. Is there anything else you want to tell uh, the people listening? Well, I miss my kids a lot, and uh, my son Tommy uh, was inducted into the National Honor Society last night. You met him. Right. I, I uh, find find kids, and uh, some people have given me some heat for being nice to your kids, which I don't understand. It's something, though, that despite the trauma that they're Guilty going not, through, yeah. he's able to achieve that. You know what I mean? He's able to achieve that despite the, all the stuff going around him. Right, without a doubt. I mean, exceptional children they got. So, I mean, hey. they're all doing very well, you know, considering the circumstances that we're under. Hey, Drew. Yeah. Uh, my wife and, and other people, uh, you know, around this radio station and people that stop me on the street, they don't understand your sense of humor. And it's it's like every cop I've ever known or anyone that's an EMT or how would you describe a surgeon? They say, how, how, can he, how can he make jokes considering what's happening? What's your response all, to that? All guys, all these cops make jokes like this right. because what they see is so harsh all the time. It's gallows humor, it black is, humor. It is. Right? It is. It's so, a, you know, it's just like I'm saying I'm taking this lighter. You know, it's a very uh, terrible circumstance, but uh, we always deal with circumstances through humor. It's just basically how you survive it, and it's, it's I'm no different now than I was, you know, when I was working a policeman on the street, you know. So the fact that you're seeing the lighter side of it doesn't mean you're guilty. No, not at all. It just means I'm uh, dealing with it, and that's how I'm coping. So. Have you been praying? I pray all the time, man, Cal. So I'm actually getting a chance to read the Bible now, so. We talked about that. That is uh, Drew Peterson. Uh, that's Drew Peterson live from the Will County Jail. He called us collect, and I, hopefully you will again. You're welcome Listen, to any time. Drew, you, you've been under lockdown and everything else, and you haven't been able to speak. Chicago is listening. The world is listening. I, I just don't want to hang up on you because it's been so tough to get you on. Is there anything you want to say? Anything else? I just, uh, you know, all the things being a policeman are being held against me now. You know, they keep saying that I'm being held to a higher standard because I was a policeman, but... Uh, that's fine while I'm working, but now I'm being charged with the most uh, horrendous of crimes. And I think that the law, you know, yeah. guarantees me protection, on, you know, equal protection under the law. That's not happening now. What is the number one thing that you miss being in jail? Uh, you know, my kids. I miss. Uh, uh, other than your kids, what stupid thing do you miss that, that we take for granted? My grooming aids, like uh, being able to trim my mustache and no hairs, nose hairs. But then I'm thinking, you know, I don't want to really look particularly attractive in this place. So. <laughs> Are you getting any extra hassles because you're a policeman? Uh, anything well, like that? He's being kept away from everybody. I know you're being kept away, but have you noticed anything different because you're a policeman? Anybody saying anything to you about your background? No, not at all. Actually, when I walk through, when they take me in and out of court, the other guys being held in different cells are you know, cheering me on. So it's kind of weird, but uh, that's what's happening. Collect call, Drew Peterson live from jail. Wow. What a character. That Drew Peterson. So, yeah, he called Collect from jail. And apparently he was working on a comedy act at the time. And they were trying to get him to tell him a joke, but he wouldn't. 
All right, so the business gets a little thicker here and a little deeper for Drew. And that concludes part one of the Drew Peterson story. Be on the lookout for part two to be released soon everywhere you can listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Jay is for Justice.